Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Hey everyone, welcome back to A Life to the Full, a message to Christians. Uh, my name is Jimmy. Jumping James Zito. I am here uh, solo again. We are going, we are in the middle of our series of taking journeys into scripture, journey into scripture. Uh, we are going to do three relatively short journeys into scripture, although they're going to spread over several episodes. We are on our first little mini journey or a little mini trip. It's a little road trip. It's a little, uh, little hike, little day hike into the Bible. And uh, we are exploring narratives. And the narrative that we've chosen to focus on is the book of Jonah. Now, as we've talked about before, the book of Jonah is great because you know it's small enough that we really can uh, get our, our heads around it. We can wrap our brains around it. But you know, whoever wrote the book of Jonah or put it together, they really had the entire Hebrew scriptures or the Tanakh basically downloaded in their brain. Um, we won't really get into all of it because uh, that's not really the point of what we're doing here. Um, but what we will do is we'll, we'll reference it here and there as interesting. So we're gonna, we're gonna see a few interesting side paths that we could travel down. Um, but because this is kind of like a guided day hike or a day trip or a little mini road trip, um, we're not gonna get too crazy in the weeds. I will say, that the book of Jonah, like most of scripture, is something that you can really, you know, spend a lifetime exploring. And I know a lot of times, you know, we say that like, oh man, every time I read the Bible, I get something different. Um, but I don't, I don't mean it in a way that I've typically used it before, or that I've heard people use it before. Um, you know, there's a way of using scripture. There's a way of approaching scripture where you're always looking for that practical application of what do I need to do or what can I use scripture to tell other people to do? But, you know, scripture doesn't really work like that. Most of scripture is stories. Most of the scripture are narratives. You know, narratives are kind of just a fancy word for stories. And, you know, you have to think, well, what, is, what are stories designed to do? You know, I think stories are designed to entertain. Stories are designed to be remembered uh, long after you've seen it or you heard it. Uh, they stay with us and they're made to be thought about. You're supposed to think about them. You're supposed to think about these stories. And I think the Bible very cleverly uh, is composed mostly of stories because the authors want us to be thinking about this stuff. You know, I was thinking about this recently, you know, a lot of times you can think about the stories that define a generation. 
Uh, you know, no secret here. I am a Star Wars nerd. I love me my Star Wars. Um, and something like Star Wars becomes almost like its own mythology. It becomes something that, you know, it's lasted now for a very long time. Um, it has no, <laughs> it shows no signs of going away. Uh, even when things are produced that people don't necessarily like, the mythology is kind of still with us. And, you know, even though it's been here for a long time compared to me, it's been around since before I was born. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not that very old. And so, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, if Star Wars will still be with us in, you know, 50 more years, 100 more years, and you kind of run that clock forward. Uh, you can imagine, you know, an ancient, not an ancient, a future civilization finding like, you know, a Star Wars DVD and popping it in and wondering, wondering about us, wondering if this stuff actually happened. Uh, you know, and I think the Bible especially works like this in a way more fundamental level. You have a collection of stories that, you know, took perhaps a thousand years to be put together, especially in, you know, the majority of it, which would be, we would call the Old Testament. And it, it's really speaking to us. Now, in this episode, we're going to get into the book of Jonah, finally, right? I know we said we're going on these little journeys. Uh, the first two episodes, we really didn't spend that much time talking about Jonah at all. Uh, but before we get into it, you know, I want to take us back a little bit to what we talked about last week, where we talked about the address or the context of where the book of Jonah is found. So if you look at this chart with me, um, again, if you're not if you're not here with us on on the YouTube, that's fine. Uh, you can just listen listen to the sound of my voice, and I'll, I'll take you there. Uh, but we talked about how the shape of the Tanakh, or the shape of what we would call the Old Testament, really did look quite different. Uh, I mean, it was designed to be you know different than the way we have it in our Christian Bibles, right? So it's basically designed around three big sections. The Torah, which is the first five books of Moses, kind of called the uncontested books, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Christian, uh, we all kind of agree that those first five books, what, you know, what we're calling here the Torah, should be in the front, they're in the same order. And next come what uh, is called the prophets, right? And the prophets uh, make up what we would call some historical books. So you have Joshua, you have Judges, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Although they would place Chronicles uh, kind of at the end of their scriptures, um, and then you have what's called the writings. So the writings, you know, are kind of dominated by its biggest book, which would be the Psalms. It opens with the Psalms. You have the Proverbs. You have some wisdom literature. Uh, and Jonah, we find, is, you know, really at the end of the prophets in what's called the Book of the Twelve. And the Book of the Twelve uh, really existed for most of its life as a single scroll where uh, these 12 little prophetic books would be kept. And Jonah is kind of like this oddball because you have, you know, lots of poetry and then these prophetic books, uh, prophetic books, love poetry, and then all of a sudden kind of like almost in the middle, you have the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah reads like satire. It reads like a story. Some of it is 
remarkable. It's almost unbelievable. Uh, I'm not going to get into that debate, uh, but you know, it's it's different. It stands out. It's fun. It's memorable. It really makes you go, huh? That that's odd. But you know, it was placed here in what's called the Book of the Twelve or the Scroll of the Twelve of these twelve minor prophets. And last week, we looked at just the first sentence, really, and that kind of gave us, you know, what we should be thinking of, the story that we should be having in our head as we go forward into the book of Jonah. So, you know, remembering how the opening lines of Jonah gave us our address and our place in the story. The character of Jonah sends us back into Kings. Let's take a second to look at it again and make some observation. What is it saying about the nature of God? What kind of God is God? So you have to remember that first and foremost, the Bible is a set of conversations about the nature of God, who God is. Is he a good God? Is he the most powerful God? Is who is he? Who, what is this God? You know? Uh, and you, so you have to understand this as you go into the book of Jonah. So it took us first to second Kings 14 and second Kings 15. And we looked at how, you know, Jonah right? Jonah, son of Amittai, that was, that kind of threw us back into 2 Kings 14 and 2 Kings 15. And that kind of, you know, painted the portrait for us of imagining this prophet Jonah in his historical context. Again, the book of Jonah is most likely, you know, not the cell phone footage of what actually happened to Jonah. It's a story probably, you know, written uh, with Jonah as a character, but it show it, it points us towards a historical Jonah, a historical in the sense of what was written in Second Kings 14. And it talks about this prophet who served a corrupt administration. They weren't good in the eyes of God, right? And even though that they were corrupt, even though they were not good leaders, the people suffered so much that God decided to bless them. And he blessed their borders in the same kind of outline or the shape that it hadn't existed since the time of Solomon. And whenever you reference Solomon directly or indirectly uh, in the scriptures, it's talking about, you know, that was when Israel, because back then it was a divided, it was a unified nation, not the divided nation that it would be by the time Jonah came on the scene. Uh, But it talks about the best of times. This was like the pinnacle of prosperity says they were so prosperous back then that gold and silver were just, they were like commonplace. They were almost worthless because the kingdom had so much of it. Um, It was supposed to be a very, very prosperous time followed obviously after Solomon's death by the dividing of the kingdom into the Northern kingdom where most of the tribes were and the Southern kingdom of Judah, right? So it was kind of 11 versus one, I guess you could say. Um, And it points and what we, pointed out that in the next chapter, 2 Kings 15, right, God was going to reverse all those blessings through Assyria, right? And the chief city of Assyria, or that great city, is Nineveh. And that term, that great city, threw us back again into Genesis 10, right? And in Genesis 10, we see that phrase again, that great city, And we see like the foundation of Babylon, Uh, Nimrod, whose name means rebel, 
mighty warrior, a mighty hunter, you know? And in the scriptures, you know, this idea of Babylon, it kind of is always looming back there in the shadows. You really can't escape it. Um, it's one of the clues, actually, that a lot of this material was put together during the time of the exile or, you know, either immediately after it, more likely like this process began during the exile because it caused this great crisis in Judaism, this great crisis of faith. Um, you know, like, how are we going to live without a temple? How are we going to worship God? We don't even have a land. God said we were going to be here forever. What's going on? Um, so yeah, so it, it shoot, it shot us back to the table of nations as well in Genesis 10. And, you know, I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind here, um, is that the Bible really wants us to question. The Bible is really a record of questioning that took place over a very long time of really the nature of God, um, which is kind of amusing to me that, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, we're trained to go to the Bible for security and for direction and guidance. And then, you know, maybe if you're just picking out here and there, you know, a line from Paul, you can kind of be like, yeah, I know what to do. I know what I'm supposed to do here. But really, um, I think the Bible is really supposed to be a guidebook in a sense and navigating the human condition, you know, even though we can feel like we're alone, the Bible would say we're not. Even though we can feel sometimes like God is against us, this world is against us, uh, this world is cruel, terrible. Um, you know, the Bible shows us over, you know, watching the story of Israel, and really the story of the world unfold, that that's actually not the case, that God is good, God is real, God is powerful. And when you really get into it, you can really see um, what what's going on. So again, even if you go a chapter before, right, you find a story of another king and another group of leaders, and that was also bad, right? Just like in Second Kings fourteen, they were bad as well. But in Second Kings thirteen, uh, they were bad. God punished them. Totally summarizing here. Uh, but then through that, right, they repented. And when they repented, God heard them and God blessed them. So you see this interesting pattern here. If you kind of line this all up and whoever put together Jonah, whoever wrote Jonah, they expect you to know this stuff. And then you're like, well, I, I don't know this stuff. What am I supposed to do? Well, that's cool. You know, all you really needed to do was just kind of follow, follow the breadcrumbs follow the clues because they're there, right? Jonah, son of Amittai, what's the story? What's the backstory? What was going on? You know, you think about your own life. What, what events happened in the world that led up uh, to your birth, the things that happened in your life and how do they affect you as a person? You know, and I think maybe some people would say like, they don't affect me at all. I'm my own person. I'm my own woman, whatever. I'm my own man. Uh, but these things do affect us. And, you know, it would be, you know, ignorant for you to ignore this. Uh, so if you see this pattern here, and I have it kind of up here of 2 Kings 13, 14, and 15. In 13, there's a bad king, bad ruler who repents. 
and God blesses them. And then in 14, there's a bad ruler who doesn't repent, but God still blesses them. And in 15, God takes all that blessing away, right? And then we're really trying, we're starting to get near the end of the story. And that's, that's its own fascinating thing as well, uh, kind of as you get into, you know, the ending of the days for, you know, Israel. Um, but it's fun. It's good stuff. And so, but you have to ask yourself, this is kind of question floating in the air. Well, well, then what's the point of repenting then? What's the point of trying to lead a good life if God is kind of just going to do whatever he wants? Is God a just God? Here was one group of people, they were terrible, but then they repented and God heard them. Here's another group of people, they were terrible. They didn't repent, but God still blessed them. And then at the end of it, God just took everything away. Last days of the kingdom of Israel, right? What's the point? What's the point of the whole thing? And I think these are great questions that, you know, we need to face head on. And one of the things I love about, you know, doing this with stories, instead of giving someone that pat verse, is if you've ever been in a situation where you were really struggling with big things, like maybe you were really deeply struggling with your faith, maybe some things that happened to you that really made you question, what is this all about? Why am I doing this? Why am I even here? Uh, the Bible is not afraid to go with you to those places if you will just let it, right? So we have this whole thing here, 13, 14, and 15, and 2 Kings, the last days of the kingdom of Israel uh, through the prophet Jonah, who served uh, that king whose name I'm not going to pronounce in 14, right? Even though they were corrupt, God blessed them. And then in 15, God took it all away. And then in Genesis 10, right? Genesis 10 kind of threw us back to a really interesting thing, right? Because we there was that line, that great city, and that threw us back to the foundation of Babylon, right? In Genesis 10, in the table of nations. We read, read through that last week. Um, we're not going to get into it. But Babylon is kind of like the big bad that looms in the background throughout all of scripture. It's actually one of the really big clues that, you know, all this was written during the time of the exile. So you have Babylon, you have the exile, and then you have the post-exile, right? And these are three big concepts that most Christians don't even focus on. <laughs> it's almost like you don't even know, you know? And then I, I get it. You know, we do live in a very biblically illiterate society. I think most churches are filled with people who are very biblically illiterate. Uh, but these are things, these are big concepts that we really need to know. We really need to understand. We really need to understand what's going on. And if you look at this chart I kind of have right here, you kind of have the foundation of Babylon right there. And the, and the stories in Genesis 1 through 11 that are really like the foundational stories of the Bible, right? It's really like supposed to be the foundation, foundational stories of the world, right? These are big concepts. Even if Babylon, in a sense, becomes bigger than just a historical city of Babylon, if Babylon is a concept, Babylon is kind of like a mindset. This idea of Babylon has been with us since the beginning. And some biblical scholars 
you know, they kind of lined things up and they would even say that, you know, the city that Cain went to build uh, may have been uh, Babylon or the beginnings of Babylon, right? Which is kind of taken up again in the story, the table of nations, which leads us to the tower of Babel, which is really just a weird name for Babylon. I don't know why Bibles feel the need to have a special name, right? So if you look at it, the story of scripture is kind of bookmarked between two Babylons, these two great cities, right? You have Babylon, the foundation of Babylon in the beginning, it's kind of there and the, looming in the background and different parts of scripture, you kind of see it, you get echoes of it. Uh, you have, you know, Israel is formed into a people through the Exodus. They come, you know, out of Egypt, they go into the promised land, they stop at Mount Sinai. In the process, they become a people, right? They go into the promised land. Uh, they have their own country. Uh, God bless, blesses them with the promise that he gave, he made to them to, for them to inhabit this land. They get their own king, get the monarchy, you get the divided monarchy, and all the way up, and there's Babylon again. And Babylon comes in, and Babylon exerts its judgment uh, against Israel, over Israel, for how corrupt it's been, for how it, it's failed to live up to its purpose, right? And then you have the exile, and then you have the post-exile. So these ideas, they permeate all the scriptures. Whoever wrote this stuff had this firmly in their mind, right? And between this drama, between these two great cities, right, comes a story about a prophet named Jonah served a corrupt and unrepenting king who God blessed anyway. He came after a generation that was also corrupt, but who repented and God blessed them. So one of the first questions that should come to mind is what value is there in being repentant? If God can choose to bless both a repentant generation, 2 Kings 13, and an unrepentant generation, 2 Kings 14, then what is the point of trying to be a good person? The second thing to remember is that all the blessings that were prophesied through Jonah were about to be undone by Babylon or Assyria in 2 Kings 15. Keeping this conversation in mind as we proceed will help us getting as much as possible from the book of Jonah. What kind of God is God? Is he a good God or is he a cruel God? And really, what's the point of all this? You know, my wife was telling me a story recently about, you know, someone who's very close to her and that, you know, when she was first making a decision on whether or not she wanted to be close to God, uh, whether or not she wanted to make space for God in her own life. One of the big problems she had is like, well, God, if God knew that all this was going to happen, why would he even do this? <laughs> What's the point? And, you know, I think the book of Jonah is going to delve into some of those same issues. And I know, you know, modern Christianity has kind of made Jonah out to be a morality tale. Well, don't run away from God. If God's telling you to do something, go do it. You know, like maybe we wag out, we, we drag out the book of Jonah when we want people to do something that they don't want to do. You know, maybe we want them to go make other Christians. You need to go make other Christians. That's what God wants you to do. If you're not going to go make other Christians, are you running away from God? What's going to happen when you run away God? God's going to oppose you and, you know, you're going to end up doing it anyway. So don't end up fighting God. Or maybe, you know, 
whatever it is, whatever uh, the agenda of the day is that we're using the book of Jonah for. But there's something different going on here. There's something better going on with the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is really a conversation about what is the point of this whole story. The kingdom of the north is about to go into exile, right? In Babylon, in Assyria, through the Assyrians, whose chief city is Nineveh, that Jonah is going to be sent to, as we're going to see in a minute. I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with the story already, but we're going to read it anyway, just in case. And I think you have to remember that, you know, this is a conversation truly about the long history of Israel and what is the point of this whole thing anyway. All right, so now we're going to get right into it. We're going to read through uh, the story of Jonah, um, you know, and I think this is really how you should approach all narrative, all stories of the Bible is just read it. And I'm going to encourage you guys to try and read through the whole thing. So if you come to a story in the Bible, don't take it chapter by chapter, sit down with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever you drink and just read it, read it through in one sitting. Don't try and get any practical application out of it. Don't try and get anything out of it, but just read it for the story that it is. And then once you read it once, read it again, read it again, read it again and see then once you've read it through several times, then we're gonna start diving into it and kind of going into a journey. <clears throat> but I have my Jewish study Bible here. Highly recommend all you guys get a copy of this. Um, the translators of the uh, Jewish study Bible have a way of facing things in scripture that I feel like a lot of other translations kind of, you know, they want to almost like keep from you. Okay. So we're going to read this whole thing together. And we're going to dive right in. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and proclaimed judgment upon it, for their wickedness has come before me. Jonah, however, started out to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's service. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard to sail with the others to Tarshish, away from the service of the Lord. But the Lord cast a mighty wind upon the sea, and such a great tempest came upon the sea that the ship was in danger of breaking up. In their fright, the sailors cried out, each to his own God, and they flung the ship's cargo overboard to make it lighter for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the vessel where he lay down and fell asleep. The captain went over to him and cried out, how can you be sleeping so soundly? Up, call upon your God. Perhaps the God will be kind to us and we will not perish. The men said to one another, let us cast lots 
and find out on whose account this misfortune has come upon us. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, tell us, you who have brought this misfortune upon us, what is your business? Where have you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made both sea and land. The men were greatly terrified, and they asked him, what have you done? And when the men learned that he was fleeing from the service of the Lord, for he told them, for so he told them, they said to him, what must we do to you to make the sea calm around us? For the sea was growing more and more stormy. He answered them, heave me overboard and the sea will calm down for you. For I know that this terrible storm came upon you on my account. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to regain the shore, but they could not, for the sea was growing more and more stormy about them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Oh, please, Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not hold us guilty for killing an innocent person. For you, O oh Lord, by your will, have brought this about. And they heaved Jonah overboard, and the sea stopped raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah remained in the fish's belly three days and three nights. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. He said, in my trouble, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the belly of Sheol, I cried out, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the depths, into the heart of the sea. The floods engulfed me. All your breakers and billows swept over me. I thought I was driven away out of your sight. Would I ever gaze again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep engulfed me. Weeds twined around my head. I sank to the base of the mountains. The bars of the earth closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, when my life was ebbing away, I called the Lord to mind, and my prayer came before you into your holy temple. They who cling to empty folly forsake their own welfare, but I, with a loud thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will perform. Deliverance is the Lord's. The Lord commanded the fish and it spewed Jonah out upon dry land. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it what I tell you. Jonah went at once to Nineveh in accordance with the Lord's command. Nineveh was an enormously large city, a three days walk across. Jonah started out and made his way into the city, 
the distance of one day's walk and proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and great and small alike put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his robe, put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he had the word cried through Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, no man or beast of flock or herd shall taste anything. They shall not graze and they shall not drink water. They shall be covered with sackcloth, man and beast, and shall cry mightily to God. Let everyone turn back from his evil ways and from the injustice of which he is guilty. Who knows? But that God may turn and relent. He may turn back from his wrath so that we do not perish. God saw what they did, how they were turning back from their evil ways, and God renounced the punishment he had planned to bring upon them and did not carry it out. This displeased Jonah greatly, and he was grieved. He prayed to the Lord saying, O Lord, isn't this just what I said when I was still in my own country? That is why I fled beforehand to Tarshish. For I know that you are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in kindness, renouncing punishment. Please, Lord, take my life, for I would rather die than live. The Lord replied, are you that deeply grieved? Now Jonah had left the city and found a place east of the city. He made a booth there and sat under it in the shade until he should see what happened to the city. The Lord God provided a rinkus plant, which grew up over Jonah, to provide shade for his head and save him from discomfort. Jonah was very happy about the plant. But the next day, at dawn, God provided a worm, which attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a sultry east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head, and he became faint. He begged for death, saying, I would rather die than live. Then God said to Jonah, are you so deeply grieved about the plant? Yes, he replied, so deeply that I want to die. Then the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not work for, in which you did not grow, which appeared overnight and perished overnight. And should I not care about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not yet know their right hand from their left, and many beasts as well? And then the story ends. So didn't take us that long. I am curious though. I wonder for you know some people if this maybe was the first time they've ever heard someone read out loud an entire book of the Bible. And I want us to stop for a second and honor that. You know, I think as a church community, we need to dedicate ourselves more 
to the public reading of scripture. Now you might say, well, we do that every Sunday. And if you're in tradition like mine, we, we do that twice a week. We do it once on Sunday and we do it once in the middle of the week. And you know, like people are up there and they're reading scripture. No, it's actually not what I mean. I don't mean reading it and then teaching a lesson on it. I mean, simply reading it. There is power in these words. There is a power in this book. There are pow there's a powerful force, the spirit of God, that produced these words through a complicated relationship with humanity over a very, very long period of time. And these stories are meant to be read aloud in public, not taught about not, you know, pick the verse here or there, pick a verse from here, pick a verse from there, pick a verse to there, here are my points, here's my sermon, but no, here is the Bible. Dedicate ourselves to the public reading of scripture, as Paul would say, right? So I wonder, I wonder for how many of us that was the first time we actually heard somebody actually just read the bible now obviously you need to also understand what you're reading and that's kind of where interpretation comes in that's kind of where you know okay we have to dive in now and see what's going on and you know this story should have left you with a lot of questions should it left me with a lot of questions the first time i read it you know um i think when i first heard about the story of jonah it was from like a kid's book um, back uh, when I first was coming into the tradition that I'm a part of now, the International Churches of Christ, you know, I had many friends who had grown up in uh, the church or in a church like the church that I was coming into. And they, they had, they talked about this strange thing called VeggieTales. They're like, oh, you never, you never watched VeggieTales? I was like, no, I have no idea. What do you mean VeggieTales? Oh, it's like they have these cartoon characters, they're vegetables and they, they tell Bible stories. It's great for kids. I learned so much as a kid. I was like, oh, okay, that, that's cool. Oh, and you know, they always would talk about Jonah. Jonah is the best. It has the best song. It has the best story. Uh, but when you watch that show, the Jonah cartoon from VeggieTales, you know, they leave out chapter four because <laughs> chapter four is kind of the weird one. They kind of end it with chapter three where Jonah, you know, goes and finally listens to God and the Ninevites repent and then everyone's like yay but that's not where the story ends um it ends with Jonah under a tree that's withered you know waiting for God to rain down wrath on this city that he hates and he wants to die you know I almost could have used one more chapter where Jonah comes to his senses or Jonah goes back home or Jonah get, Jonah and God get into a big fight <clears throat> and they never talk again, but we just don't get that chapter. So lots of questions should start to be popping up in your mind as you, you read through this. Like, why did Jonah run in the first place? What, what kind of prophet is Jonah? Is he a good prophet or a bad prophet? What kind of motives did he have in some of these decisions that he made? 
Um, you know, and what what's going on here? It's just it's just strange. And the Bible has a lot of strange things like this that happens in its stories that, you know, they almost seem like if you're just a casual reader of scripture, they almost seem like, okay, so, something's wrong. <laughs> uh, did they leave something out? Is this an error? I think people would call them contradictions. And, you know, in one sense, the Bible does seem to disagree with itself in different places because it's a conversation. It's a conversation about God. And I think when you have an honest conversation with about God uh, with yourself and, you know, hopefully with others, um, you know, you're not always going to think what you originally thought. You're not always going to believe what you originally believed. There's an evolution to this. There's a journey that's going on here that, you know, is, is okay. It's okay to think different things as you move along. I, think much differently than I, th I thought 20 years ago, uh, you know, in my twenties, when I first came into tradition than I am now, I think a lot, a lot different than I thought when I was an atheist or in my college years, I think a lot different than I thought as a Catholic, um, you know, I was raised a Catholic and there, there's a journey as an evolution to this whole thing, whole thing. And I think, you know, you, you can really kind of see some of the stuff coming across in stories like Jonah. So at this point, we're going to take a short break. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to kind of go in. We're going to do some quick exercises. We're going to point some things out. And we're going to see, um, you know, if there are some things that we can notice. All right. See you soon. And we're here. Hey, guys, look who I found. <laughs> and uh, I got her to agree to drag. I mean, I dragged her. I mean, I mean, here she is of her own free will. <laughs> uh, wrapping up the podcast and the, the YouTube, I think it's what the kids call it, uh, here together. So what did you think of the episodes so far? Yeah. So while well, doing the editing, because yes, I do the editing and I want to rub it in. Um, I do a lot of work. <laughs> well, you, like you said, you're the talent. Pretty right? much. Pretty, you're well, the talent. You know, if we're going to go by it, like raw hours, um, we all know who has worked the hardest <laughs> on this podcast. And uh, it's not me. <laughs> uh, well, I know we talked about reading the whole book of Ephesians and also Jonah, which mm -hmm. I call Noah many times in the podcast. Book of Noah. I want to get my hands uh, on that. And, I'm excited about it. And uh, as I listened to you read it, I was also doing some steel mace. Oh. Uh, <laughs> however, it does inspire me to go and read it myself so it was pretty short i want to say it took five minutes maybe less to do that so uh i really appreciate uh the inspiration and as always adios muchachas and muchachos see you next week bye